This is The Last of Us on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about The Last of Us, Episode 4. Please hold to my hand. If you don't think there's hope for the world, why bother going on? I mean, you gotta try, right? You haven't seen the world, so you don't know. You keep going for family. That's about it. I'm not family. No. Your cargo. But I made a promise to Tess. And she was like family. Welcome back, fellow survivors. This is The Last of Us Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. This time we're talking about The Last of Us Episode 4, Please Hold to My Hand. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow survivors. I am one of your other hosts, John. Yes, I am alive. I did not fall into one of Bill's traps nope. uh, that he set for those cunning mushrooms. Uh, I am indeed back here uh, after a week-long visit of my mother, mm-hmm. who um, I was looking after while yes. she was over. You, you didn't even fall into Bill's trap of um, of lovely happy tears um which we said was the actual reason why you weren't here last week <laughs> well that's true no i was thinking more of the tripwire one yeah. that would then blow my brains out yes um, effectively yeah not that one no. didn't even fall into a pit no well i could be rescued by bill yes yeah yeah absolutely but, but what did you think of the episode i know a lot of our uh, a lot of our fellow survivors were wondering uh what your thoughts on episode three were i i absolutely loved episode three mm-hmm. but it was a real interesting departure um, from, I guess, the overarching story of mm-hmm. this, you know, post-apocalyptic. But, you know, it really chimes with, you, you have that episode one with the outbreak. Episode two is that aftermath, the yeah. survival. Mm-hmm. Um, episode three being this love story, love mm-hmm. in the time of mushrooms rather yeah. than in the time of cholera well, or yes. war or <laughs> anything like that. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's they're almost distinct, but there's that lovely weaving through, particularly for episode three, that it filled out from just a few notes mm. and scraps of information from the game, even though you got to spend a significant amount of time with Bill in the game. Yeah. Uh, you didn't see Frank. So that backstory was really good. And I, I think as well, the interesting thing, say, with the creator here mm-hmm. um, in Craig Mazin is with Chernobyl, overarching story, but part of that, you know, disaster and mm-hmm. um, rescue episode. Um, but if, effectively, it almost became a thriller yeah. and then a courtroom drama by the end of it. So mm-hmm. really distinct episodes within the overall uh, series that was Chernobyl. And yeah. I, I think there's a hint of that here yeah. as well coming through. And it's a really nice structure to do because, yes, you keep the overarching thrust of it, which is getting Ellie to this medical facility because mm-hmm. of her condition, but you are um, just dipping in and out of things that happen in this world at this time yeah. following the outbreak. And it's really, really interesting i i find yeah uh, so yeah I, I really enjoyed it 
Um, and of course, yes, I think the representation for over forties mm-hmm. uh, was superb. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think as we've said before, we talk, we cover lots and lots of shows, but it's very rare that we get to cover a show with such good LGBTQ plus representation on the podcast and TV podcast industries. In fact, the only show I think I remember both of us being on where we talked about it was on uh, Lovecraft Country. Yes, um, the only show I think we've seen a reasonably okay representation, but even that was another. Um, kind of a trope uh that was going on in in that episode this felt like it really connected with me you know i talked about it quite a lot last episode being a middle-aged gay man in a long-term relationship with uh with john um i know that's something that i found connected really closely with me but uh, i'm sure our, our, our wonderful fellow survivors want to hear your thoughts on that as well yeah for me it connected really well i mean mm-hmm. it's good to see I mean, it's it's not just representation in terms of age, but it's also representation in terms of, I think, the lifestyle of it or the the body of mm-hmm. Bill and Frank. You know, they're yeah. not sort of glamorous Adonises that manage to keep their little bit of, you know, Love Island going in the <laughs> middle of a mushroom outbreak. Yeah. Um, but it's it's the fact that, you know, someone who's very much private... Um, themselves themselves you know have a whole rake of other aspects mm-hmm. uh, connected with who they are yeah um and organically coming from an incident you know they spend their life together and yeah. go out on their own terms however mm-hmm. horrific that is um because they've spent their life together mm-hmm. and lived it through um, this horrific time, yeah. but they've continued making those memorable, positive moments, yeah. um, and they happen to be middle-aged and aging gay men. Yeah, exactly. um, so it was really, really good um, uh-huh. for, for, for me, I think, um, yeah. to think, oh, that's how, I guess... My trajectory is on. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Apart from crushing pills into my bottle of Merlot or something yeah, like that. Yeah, let's hope not, yes, John. let's hope not. Let's hope not. Uh, although, I will say, fellow survivors, the look on John's face when I said a middle-aged gay man like us, uh, John does not like being called middle-aged. Uh, so, so I won't well, say that again. that's the other side of it. <laughs> I would possibly put myself on the Frank category, younger right. at heart gotcha. um, than my age would sound. Right, good stuff. So a bit of everything for everyone, I guess, in that sense. Depends what you want to take from it, as always. With storylines dealing with effectively normal life, it Mm -hmm. just happens to be with two gay middle-aged men, as Derek likes to say. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Good stuff. Let's get on to our discussion about this week's episode. Uh, One thing really to call out, though, um, for the fourth week in a row for episode four, another million viewers watching this show live than there were the previous week. It's been increasing every single week. Excellent stuff. There are more and more people coming to watch it live on the airing on, on Sunday nights. Um, it has moved this week, episode five, uh, coming out on Friday, well, into Saturday uh, in the US and the UK. Uh, this is to avoid the Super Bowl, although the live airing on HBO will be shown at the same time as the Super Bowl. Uh, they're not moving that. It's just it's going to be available on HBO Max on Friday in the US and in the UK, confirmed by uh, Now TV to be available at 2 a.m. So we'll get to all see it at the same time uh, on Friday this week instead of on Sunday. So that's pretty cool. Uh, that we get to see it a bit earlier, especially since this episode was a little bit shorter uh, than the last couple of episodes have been. Yeah, that's 
I can understand why they are moving it because of the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, this episode, they were in Kansas City. That's right. um, And Kansas City will be playing in the Super Bowl. So Mm -hmm. um, who'd have thought that kind of serendipity Mm -hmm. or coincidence would be happening? Do you know what I thought was even funnier is in the game, this episode uh, takes place in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Steelers being very, very famous for the Super Bowl yes. uh, and their time their time in the Super Bowl, but no longer contenders uh, this year. So uh, it was interesting to change it over to another one of the strong contenders for uh, for greatest football teams of all time in Kansas City. There you go. <laughs> well, Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, one other thing to say, uh, the PC version of The Last of Us uh, Part 1 uh, has been delayed by three weeks to the end of March. It was originally supposed to come out at the beginning of March. Uh, the reason I'm mentioning that is because we do, of course, have our World Ends pub quiz going on at the moment. One question is being given out each episode put them all together all nine questions enter into the competition email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with your answers and you could be in your chance of winning that game on playstation 5 or on pc so luckily that doesn't impact us because we no. would have only been announcing the winner towards the end of march anyway so uh should be okay and still aligned with the end of our with the end of our, our podcast exactly. for the show right yeah, good stuff. Mm. And look out for the next question later on in the episode. Yes. And one final little bit of news, if you hadn't already seen it, was Pedro Pascal, who plays Joel in The Last of Us, was on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a good little show, certainly where they did a little skit on the apocalyptic end of the world um video game adaptation to TV, mm-hmm. but in this case, it was uh, the Mario game series. Yes, so, Mario Kart. Yeah, yes, Mario Kart. So really good. <laughs> it was very good. I think very I laughed. Funny. I think I laughed through almost every sketch in the show. Uh, Pedro Pascal uh, clearly having a ball, and uh, always good on Saturday Night Live to see all the cast uh, cast members laughing through it as well. Uh, that's always one of the fun uh, joys of watching live uh, live comedy like Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Uh, not very much Last of Us content no. uh, in the episode, probably because there's only three episodes in, um, so quite difficult to get those uh, those scripts uh, written and up. But I know they did use uh, the clicker in the uh, in the ad in the trailer for Pedro Pascal uh, featuring on the show. So uh, so go check that out. Exactly. And of course, if you like the music of Chris Martin, like Derek, then um, yes, he is there for entertainment as well. I like that you call it uh, Chris Martin, even though the rest of his bandmates were there for some of the show. Coldplay. Um, Coldplay were there, yes. Or Coldplay, um, like Derek does. Um, who has been to a gig of theirs, so uh, I did he has form my, in this area. I did go to help my brother out, who, <laughs> who had two tickets and couldn't go on his own. And uh, I did like that they slagged themselves off the whole way through the gig about how they know that people don't like them anymore, uh, but they're still selling, selling out <laughs> concerts, so they'll still play. Yes, <laughs> number go. one Coldplay fan sat to my <sighs> left here. Um, but let us get on with our spoiler-filled review of The Last of Us episode four please hold to my hand Mm. before we do remember you can head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com where you can subscribe to the podcast on any mushroomy or non-mushroomy podcast player Mm -hmm. of your choice you can also head on over to the website to leave a voicemail for feedback you can also send in feedback by email to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and of course our spoiler post is over on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries. Absolutely. 
With that, Derek, what are some of the episode details? Absolutely. First up, uh, the episode title, um, Please Hold to My Hand. The reason it's so difficult to say is because it's a lyric in that Hank Williams song that, uh, that Joel plays in the car with Ellie. Um, that song also features in the game itself. So we have heard that song uh, featured in the video game. So uh, that's quite cool. But I was wondering why it was so difficult to say, get my, my lips around, uh, please hold to my hand, because it just seems wrong. You, you, you feel like there's, there's a missing word in there, but it's because... It was in uh, the Hank Williams song. There you go. Excellent stuff. Yeah. But this show is based on the PlayStation game <laughs> written by Neil Druckmann and directed by Bruce Straley from game publisher Naughty Dog. Uh, the show is written and executive produced by Craig Mason and Neil Druckmann. This episode, once again, written by Craig Mason. And this time, directing episode four of the show is... Jeremy Webb. Uh, he has directed three episodes of The Punisher and four episodes of The Umbrella Academy. So, of course, we've spoken about him on the podcast here. Excellent stuff. Mm. Uh, welcome, Jeremy, to the apocalyptic fungal world. Yes, well, he has done a lot of apocalypses in, uh, in The Umbrella Academy. In fact, um, if I remember rightly, he was the one that directed the season two finale and the season three premiere of The Umbrella Academy. So, uh, so good form there. Yeah, definitely. And so, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for The Last of Us, episode four, Please Hold to My Hand? Sure. Travelling on their way to Wyoming to find Joel's brother, Tommy, the pair's distant relationship begins to thaw as they spend time on the road. As Joel begins to answer some of the many questions from Ellie and even gives her a few smiles as she quizzes him with puns from a book she's found. As they approach Kansas City, the route is blocked, When they take a shortcut through the ruins of the city, they get ambushed by bandits. Joel kills two of them, but a third manages to overpower and nearly strangle him to death, before Ellie saves him by shooting the man with her gun she took from Bill and Frank's house. As they look to escape their predicament, Joel allows Ellie to keep the handgun. The three bodies are found by more of the bandit group, led by Kathleen, a determined woman who has broken the control of Fedra in Kansas City to find the collaborators involved with the death of her brother. Kathleen orders a manhunt for these well-equipped outsiders, believing that Joel and Ellie are involved with a man named Henry, who she is hunting as a collaborator. Meanwhile, at Henry's abandoned hideout, Kathleen's second-in-command, Perry, also finds evidence of unusual infected activity in the basement of the same building. But Kathleen orders him to conceal it until they find Henry. Joel and Ellie, meanwhile, seek refuge in a high-rise to sleep for the night until they can scout a way out of Kansas City. Waking up to Ellie's call, he finds they are both being held at gunpoint by Henry and his younger brother, Sam. At least we presume that that's uh, Henry and Sam. They're mentioned quite a lot in the episode. I'm, I think it's pretty likely. And I guess if you played the game, uh, you probably put two and two together and guess that's who that is. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's ob- more obvious if you've played the game, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but it's still hinted at significantly mm. there. Even though Sam, the younger brother, isn't mentioned that often, the fact that yeah. we see the abandoned... Um, loft space where Mm -hmm. they've been hiding out and eating from these bandits led by Kathleen. You see all the pictures that he's been drawing Mm -hmm. uh, and you see that same kind of paint uh, or crayon 
on his face. Exactly. Um, you know, he he's basically cosplaying here. He's a um, proper Superman fan. It yes, seems. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think we can safely assume that that is Henry. Yes. And his very younger brother, Sam. Exactly, exactly. Uh, now, of course, since we don't have Chris here this week, we're not going to go through our normal uh, top three moments from the episode. Um, we're just going to talk through the episode, really. Uh, going to talk through all the major moments. Um, we kind of start out with the road trip of Joel and Ellie. It's an interesting one. There was a lot of, uh, I suppose, criticism and, and jokes going around about the um, the fact that they'd only gotten 10 miles out Boston, outside Boston in the last episode, and it looked like they were in the middle of the countryside. And interestingly, I think the whole point of doing that in episode three, that saying that they'd only moved so far on foot was because they had 2,000 miles to travel to Wyoming. And if they didn't get a car, this is the slow pace that they'd be traveling at, right? Yeah. <laughs> they'd probably be 20 miles outside Boston or 30 miles outside Boston for the next episode. But now, having got the car from Bill and Frank's house, um, here they are on the road, traveling quite significant amount of miles here. Yeah, definitely. Um, like, I, th- I think on the road, but even just once they're in Kansas City as well, mm. I think um, there's a really good exploration of the evolving relationship between these mm-hmm. two. Um, I mean, a- and for them personally with the audience, you know, we see Ellie does have skills with a gun. I mean, she's able to take it apart effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly not something I would be able to do nope. um, or be comfortable with, but she seems fairly well um, at ease in taking out the clip and sort of popping the the bullet out of the chamber, mm-hmm. you know, which in any movie uh, you can see where people forget to do that and shoot themselves accidentally in the yes. force or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, she's got some um, skills here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I will say, I thought there was a little bit of uh, Bella Ramsey coming through in this. Um, obviously, Bella Ramsey from uh, from the UK. There's very limited access to guns over here. And I feel like they were playing it as if this is the first time being near a gun a little bit. There was, there was moments that you felt... Bella Ramsey's joy at being able to play with a gun a little bit uh, on, on here. Um, but it is really interesting to see that this is, uh, that, that Ellie is kind of used to handling a weapon. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. mean, I mean, you do, you get that moment and you get to some extent a bit of confirmation of that in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. You, you hear Fedra school teaches them how to use a gun. Again, mm-hmm. it, it's this world in which children have to grow up um quicker because there is a survival element here also that there has been other occasions where she has used guns and i Mm -hmm. guess we'll get to that later on but you know we have that we also see joel being hugely resourceful siphoning off the uh the petrol oh i loved this touch yeah because you know there's again it's another thing that people will point out in survival shows how the heck will gas last for 20 years uh that's it's not the uh shelf life of petrol the petrol will go off after a while if you have it sitting in your in your garage or um to wait into to put into your lawnmower it goes off after a few years so there is um an explanation for that for joel he says he has to go and do this every hour now. In the past, they would have had to had been able to drive on a full tank of gas for 10, 20 hours um, and travel all across the country. But nowadays, they have to go and get enough to fill up a tank, and that is, it's practically water, so uh, it doesn't last very long. So I like I like that they're addressing these little questions that people have had um, about surviving post-apocalypse, you know? Yeah, absolutely. They've thought of all the details. It, it is, and it even... You know, later on, where Joel pulls off the road to camp down for the mm-hmm. night, and um, not just pulling off the road 
uh, but going into the forest to hide the vehicle is that you know foreshadowing the the other danger uh, in this world, mm-hmm. not just clickers or runners or athletes' force, but it is <laughs> the danger of other people, mm-hmm. and certainly out in the countryside that clickers aren't as prevalent here and it is people and what their intentions may or may not be towards outsiders or or interlopers or people just simply passing through yeah so and you know it it foreshadows that other danger in this world that then becomes very much apparent in kansas city yeah and that makes a lot of sense doesn't it because you know unlike zombies um the infected here in this world their whole mission what's going on is to transfer the disease transfer the uh the fungus to other hosts there's no hosts out here so they wouldn't be out here they're dragging themselves towards centers of population effectively yeah. so um so it, it is slightly different to zombies you can find a person who's died and come back as a zombie out in the wilderness whereas here it's much more likely to be in centers of uh of population yeah, yeah. It, they're just thinner on the ground yeah. and yeah. they're not in a huge mass like in the cities mm. because you may have one or two farmsteads yeah. uh, every, you know, 20, 30 miles exactly. rather than a million plus people concentrated in, in an urban centre. Yeah. You know, I, I thought this was really good, but I, I think, you know, in terms of their relationship here, mm-hmm. it's you have on the one side Joel still very much... Um, Almost like, you know, that adult figure telling Ellie that she mustn't eat so fast. She must chew her, her um, chef uh, Bordi ravioli to make it last longer, mm-hmm. chew on it. You even have his awkwardness with the the gay porn rag that she's found uh-huh. and, and her riffing, really pulling at his levers. You uh-huh. know, why are these... Pages stuck together, uh-huh. you know, completely How can joking. You even walk with that thing, How, yeah. exactly? <laughs> she's she's nailed where she can sort of get maximum effect from her digs. Absolutely, um, like hang which on, I really really like. Hang on a second, I want to see where the uh, what the fuss is all about here, <laughs> and then you can see the embarrassment creeping into Pedro Pascal's face. Exactly, there, yeah. and yeah. and the one that kind of runs through all of this episode, mm-hmm. which is when. Um, he tells her to go wandering but stay close because she's asking awkward questions how the siphon works. Mm-hmm. Effectively, comes to the conclusion that Joel doesn't know the principles of how a siphon works. Yeah. Uh, and the other side of it is what's introduced and goes across all of this episode mm-hmm. is, is the pun book um, and where Joel effectively tells her to stay close, to mm-hmm. not go wandering uh, whilst he's siphoning the gas. Love it. Um, yep. And she says, well, you're in for it now, as she begins to reel off uh, a load of different uh, puns from the No Pun Intended uh, book, Volume 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, whether you like or dislike puns, um, Love it is, <laughs> you know, that kind of breaking of the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the moments of levity within this episode that run through. Um, and that is a really nice way of seeing Joel, in a sense, soften to some extent. Yeah, absolutely. And what I like, though, is just how, um, you know, it's pulled back. Like, you kind of think, you you see him giving, as they go to sleep in the woods, you see Joel 
with a smile about one of the ponds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he even answers the one around the Scarecrow. He does. outstanding yes. in, its, in its field. Yes. Um, and you have Ellie calling him out for for that. Mm-hmm. You know, have you read this already? And it's it, like uh, these are dad jokes. Uh, yeah. back in his day. You, know? <laughs> and you you see that softening, but then you know as they go on um, into the journey, mm-hmm. um, and they've got the twenty five hours to get to Wyoming. So as Ellie rightly points out, it doesn't matter if the story about your brother Tommy is long, we've got 25 hours. Yeah. Um, you know, you see him opening up about his brother Tommy, but yeah. then when she asks, well, why do you carry on? Why have you got no hope effectively? Mm-hmm. Um, he says, well, you you keep going because of family. Mm-hmm. And he's quite clear, you're not family. You are cargo. The reason why I'm doing this is because of Tess, who was um family and yeah. i made that promise to her so all of a sudden it kind of you feel there's maybe a little bit of budging um uh, going on and mm. then it comes back to um that objectiveness of joel whether that's entirely 100 percent at this stage yeah i'm sure it's softened but it's like he's got to remind himself that i can't get attached to ellie or even protective not Mm-hmm. You know, as 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 her guardian or protector, yeah, because she may die, it may all fail, or it will get me killed. So there's a selfishness there, mm-hmm. seeing her as a piece of cargo rather than someone who he will do absolutely anything for, because she's almost become family. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and certainly this episode starts out that way. I do think the road trip brings them much closer together, as you say, and that's evident in the puns. It's evident in the fact that they're laughing together about a terrible pun at the end of the episode. You know, it's evident that they're becoming closer and they've they've gone through quite a lot together in this episode. Throughout all the rest of the episodes, remember they've been surrounded by other people. There's always been either them pushing themselves towards the next stage of their mission. So last episode was actually about. Joel trying to get Ellie to Bill and Frank and then he was supposed to be leaving her there they're both dead now so and he got a little bit of guidance to push him towards taking on his real role Um, and he takes on this idea of taking Ellie to the next Firefly station to take her to Tommy and and hopefully Tommy knows some Fireflies that he can leave her with so that's where that story is coming from at the beginning where he's saying you're just cargo it's i'm taking you to tommy and tommy will work out how to deal with this by the end of the episode he's become very protective of her he's learned some about something about her that he never knew before the fact that she'd fired a gun and shot someone before as well um is something that he never would have thought he thought this was this precious little cargo that's being transported and she doesn't have any history at all but he's learning about her um so I think by the end of the episode, even though it's not sad and it's still a bit early in their relationship, he's not protecting her like a daughter yet. But I definitely think by the end of the episode, she's no longer cargo and moving towards that kind of family position that's been left behind by his loss of Tommy and Tess. That's it. I mean, it it really is evolving, but that's why I love how it's it's being portrayed mm-hmm. uh, and how it's being written. It really feels like that. Two steps forward, three steps back. Mm. One step forward, two steps back. You know, that there's that 
evolution that's there's that sort of fluctuation in their relationship because Mm -hmm. of the situations but ultimately the baseline feels like it's edging and edging to a thaw from what it originally was where it was something not on his radar at all yeah Um, and it was an imposition that marlene was asking them to do this for something that um they were never involved in so it's just one of those really great things about how the structure and the construction of this relationship mm-hmm. within this story is, yeah. um, which I really, really like. And I thought really developed here, you know, because as you say, because the two of them, it, it's time together on their own exactly. for, that we are seeing for any length of time as the audience Mm -hmm. um, so far in this series. Absolutely. And that's most of what's going on in the road here is the development of that relationship between the two of them. But there are a couple of really interesting things that are also set on the road. You mentioned that he talked a little bit about Tommy. I really like the story that we hear about what happened between Joel and Tommy. I think in the first episode we talked about the fact that there's a bumper sticker saying um, that that – uh, he was a war vet and we thought it was Joel that was the war vet. It's yeah. actually Tommy who'd been in Desert Storm and Joel is trying to protect him as the older brother. He's the one that's trying to take care of him and that's why they end off going off and joining a group like a group that we see uh, in this episode. They are kind of villains um, in some ways or to some other people. They go out and do the kind of things this group in Kansas City does. Um, then he tells us that they split apart when um, Marlene came on the scene and encouraged Tommy to go and join the Fireflies. And Joel is completely not aligned with their idea of saving the world. Uh, doesn't believe the world can be saved at that stage. I presume it would have been quite a few years into this post-apocalyptic world after yeah. the fungus had taken over. Yeah, I uh, think, in a sense, uh, and he's he's not aligned with that at all. Yeah. Let Tommy go off with Marlene for a while at least. I think Joel calls him a joiner. Yes. Uh, he's a hero who wants to save the world. He joined the army for Desert Storm mm-hmm. and then lastly it was the Fireflies um, yeah. after the uh, outbreak and in both cases left them. So it, yeah. it's always the the next cause to move to exactly. uh, whatever that may be yeah. uh, is the way Joel is kind of uh, describing his younger brother yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of took me by surprise. You know, we know from the first episode that Joel worked in construction, as did Tommy. And then yeah. in this episode, Joel is calling Tommy a joiner. I was wondering, did he work in carpentry? Is that what he <laughs> means? But no, he means joining different groups. So. Yeah, oh, exactly. Well. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it and it, it's always been Joel having to go with Tommy, in a yes, sense, exactly. until it came to the Fireflies, where mm-hmm. he didn't want to have anything to do with Marlene and, yeah. and that group. So yeah. Tommy's yeah. probably grown up old enough yeah. now to uh, to get himself out of that. Uh, one final thing that I really liked on the on the road as well. Uh, you sort of mentioned as well where they in, they bring in the idea of other humans being the terrifying thing on the road. But I love that Jill describes that to Ellie then tells her to go to sleep and then the next thing you see is he's awake all night he's almost scared himself which i think a lot of us have gone camping in the woods for the first time have probably scared ourselves uh hearing noises in the woods and you're going oh could that be another person that's going to be coming across our camp it could be could that be a bear could that be something that's that's going to kill us you know and certainly without the protection of that full one millimeter worth of fabric Mm -hmm. yeah in terms of having a tent i mean it's amazing like sleeping under the stars or under a tent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I like that. I like that touch of his nervousness mm-hmm. around 
just not knowing, you know, unable to predict what may happen because other people's reasons, ambitions, aims, mm -hmm. goals um, are just not known. They're exactly. not clear because society is broken down, mm -hmm. fragmented into different groupings. Exactly. Uh, like we see with the grouping um, in Kansas City. Yes, let's get who, there. Yeah. Um, you know, which seems to be coming from a very personal point of view. Just before we go to Kansas City, okay. the yep. other thing about the road trip, which I absolutely adored, and mm -hmm. uh, very much, um, you know, in contrast to this relationship element uh, between Ellie and Joel, was just driving through the abandoned landscape of uh, the USA mm -hmm. here. Yeah. It was really, really good hugely visual like you see the bison by the side of the road mm -hmm. almost indicating you know nature recovering from um just the the pure suppression by human beings mm -hmm. but then you see all the infrastructure that is damaged yeah. all those aerial shots those wide angles uh showing the just slow deterioration and decay of this infrastructure, whether it's little valley towns on the way, the, the railway bridge over that huge expanse that's mm -hmm. collapsed, and you you can see that it's going to collapse the again, itself collapsing yeah. into the into that, uh, that it was fallen bridge. Just yeah. really good, and and then coming into the outskirts of Kansas City with mm -hmm. just all the transport uh, containers and and the storage areas mm -hmm. all just left there. Um, you know, yeah. it, it was really visual and again, just adding another layer as to where this world is in such a great way. Absolutely. I thought there was a nice, a nice little touch there when Joe was filling up the car and explaining it to Ellie. He's saying they used to use this to fill up their tanks and helicopters. And Ellie's response is, um, oh man, I want to see a tank. And that's what we see at the side of the road when they're driving along, loads and loads of tanks. He said this was something that they used to do when they thought the world had an enemy that they could fight, and now it can't. Now it's running out of resources. Now there's yeah. different enemies that Fedra have to fight. So uh, so I thought that was quite interesting, a nice little uh, nice little t touch of something that you could see out through the window. But that moment when they arrive at the uh, at the... I guess it's a kind of like a bypass, the, the the highway bypassing Kansas City and then have to go into the city. I have to say how frustrating that must be when you get there and he sees all the cars piled up and one truck blocking off the roadway and then gets out of his car and looks behind the truck and there is literally nothing behind the truck. There's nothing all the way. He could literally, if he could have moved that truck out of the way, easy journey right he would be yeah. straight back on the highway again but because of the way the road structure works and because uh, all these cars were piled up there's no way for him to get past he has to go through uh, the city to get back out to the next exit effectively but as well it, it that that moment where he looks through and sees that actually the underpass you know leading with the continuation of the road that they're on mm -hmm. bypassing kansas city mm -hmm. um is is empty Watching that the second time, I immediately thought, is that where, and certainly when they get lost coming off because that they're actually being channeled, that mm, because there's maybe. just that one lorry across the entrance that that blocked the route, people have to find another way around, mm. and then you get caught into the same kind of ambush that Joel recognized from when he used to do it. Very good, and yes, could be. He, he maybe even understood the early signs that this was, you know, 
channeling them and certainly because he explained that it, it seemed quite easy how he was going to come back onto that road mm. and then all of a sudden they're kind of in downtown Kansas yeah. and so there's probably been other routes blocked you know, and effectively they've gotten themselves uh, lost mm-hmm. uh, as a result of that yeah. and, and turned around so I wonder if that was the other warning sign for for Joel as well. I like that. I like that. Um, A very recognisable scene for anybody that played the games as well. This is uh, the the ambush is uh, is a massive moment. Um, As you can probably see how it plays out in the show, that is a very exciting scene to play in the game. Uh, Die quite a few times if you're not careful. (laughs) But but I liked how this is visualised here. I think more than any of the previous episodes, so much of the dialogue and so much the so many of the moments in this episode are are taken from the game directly. You know the moments in the car with ellie they're all uh, all the dialogue there is specifically from the game and this moment in the ambush where joel tells ellie to put on the seatbelt because that person that is telling them he needs help is not a person that needs help he's about to ambush them because he did it before this is something that he used to do in the early days of the apocalypse or much earlier on because he was as desperate as these people are you know uh, he can see those signs all those moments from the game and then we have a standoff as joel gets pushed off the road really into the into the dry cleaners um yeah and sends ellie off into a room getting her out of the way while he uh takes out his rifle and and takes on two of the uh two of the uh, people following the hunters here yeah and i think like the big point here of this first contact with mm. these people in kansas city is is, is twofold really one is that Joel is saved by Ellie mm-hmm. uh, with her using the gun she's gotten from um, Frank's um, top drawer mm-hmm. uh, to to wound the guy strangling Joel. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you have this moment where Joel effectively tells her to get back into her hide hole mm-hmm. um, and he's taken uh, Frank's gun off her. Yeah. And in classic trope, I thought you were just going to hear the bang of the revolver mm-hmm. as he shoots him because the, this, this guy on the floor, I think he calls himself Brian. That's right. And yeah. I, I kind of really thought it, it felt really realistic because Ellie is pointing the gun, but she's still wavering and she's, um, that she shot him a, seemingly in the in the spine somewhere yes. yeah. so he can't feel his legs mm-hmm. and just then brian's response of you know i can't feel my legs you know we we can we can try and sort this out you know we're friends now it was a misunderstanding and mm-hmm. um, whether any of that is true or not i can imagine in that panic that you would say that you know you want to try and sort of suddenly pretend it never happened in a sense yeah because you're the one on the back foot, you know, and yeah. with the low ground. So, or do anything to get yourself out of the situation. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, so yeah. I really thought it was so well acted. Mm-hmm. But then the fact that Joel, all you hear is the knife. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense because mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's not the bang bang of a gun. Mm-hmm. Again, locating whether it's clickers or um the other bandits yeah. to um that whole area. Exactly. So I thought it was really good. I think the other aspect that this 
really brings to the fore then is be- with the the killing of these three members of this group mm-hmm. you have their leader Kathleen um not entirely sure she doesn't as such have the evidence that these outsiders mm-hmm. well equipped with food not fetra are working with Henry but she yes. immediately connects them to Henry mm-hmm. in that Henry brought them in so Joel and Ellie are immediately on the back foot yeah. because she sets up a manhunt mm-hmm. to look for these um, two outsiders as well as to continue looking for Henry and Sam. Yeah. But none of that is connected at yeah. all except because of how it played out and her absolute obsession with um, the situation that she's found herself in, mm-hmm. which is ultimately the leader of a group that took out the QZ, or at least Fedra, Seems like uh, it, yeah. in Kansas. Yeah. Because we hear Ellie mention that, but it's also because her brother uh, was interrogated, mm-hmm. tortured, beaten, and ultimately killed, uh, yes. I'm assuming, um, by Fedra yes. because he was snitched on by collaborators for exactly. whatever he was doing. Yeah. So maybe they were part of the underground supply route like Joel and Tess were to yeah. some extent. Yeah. You know? And I, f- I feel like that's kind of standard operating procedure for uh, for Fedra. Um, wherever they are, they have uh, people that are snitching on their, uh, on the other people that live in, in the QZ. Uh, that's how they assert their control. Um, but the fact that her brother died in their custody has pushed Kathleen over the edge. Um making this woman that doesn't seem very likely to be the leader of this kind of group exactly uh, pushing her into this leadership role you know the fact that she does jump jump to that conclusion that henry's connected with joel and ellie and rallies everybody around her it feels like she is running on real aggression real anger yeah. for what happened to her brother and anything that she needs to do to to bring everybody along with her to to get back at the people that caused her brother's death that seems to be where Kathleen is now we don't know much about her she's only in uh, in this episode here obviously uh, for a very short time we'll probably see more next week I know the episode next week is directed and written by uh, by the same people so I think it's kind of a two-parter which is why you have this only 45 minutes in this episode uh, so I think the two episodes go go together as as the story of what's happening here yeah. in Kansas City so I'm sure we'll learn more about Kathleen next week but um but right now I really like this introduction to the character. She's she seems to be, as I say, almost running on tenterhooks at all times. Definitely, she's, she's, vengeance, she, yeah, anger. We, she's introduced to us, pointing a gun at the uh, at her family GP, the person who delivered her when she was a baby, and kills him um, for his part in any kind of involvement at all in giving information to Fedra. It wasn't even that he was the one that did it. It wasn't even the one that he was covering up for Henry as such. But the fact that he's not giving her any information to lead her to get Henry is why he dies here, um, which really feels like someone that's at, uh, that's at the edge. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. But even the touch of when they bring back the three bodies, one of them is still conscious. And the medic, mm-hmm. there, there's one of her medics there and says, well, can he use a doctor? You know, would mm-hmm. a doctor help? And the medic's like, no, no, he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the wound's too much, whatever it is. Yeah. And that effectively means, right, he's now dispensable. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, it's it's like the pretext for her just following through on the earlier gun to the forehead mm-hmm. where I mean I love the line which says all the necessary conditions now set out whereby you'll talk be in you know because she has the conversation where you know he talked not about her brother because he had a gun to his head from a yeah. Fedra soldier. Yeah. And it was just a really just great. good kind of way of, of dealing with just the impossibility of that situation. Mm-hmm. What would anyone do with a gun uh, to their head? But the pretext for keeping him alive is gone. He can't give her any information mm-hmm. or he won't. Um, I think it's more that he can't. I think he do- doesn't know. Maybe. Um, and... I feel like because Henry and Sam were in hiding in a specific location that they were able to find, I feel like the doctor may have known that location, uh, that that was a Possibly, safe house yeah. that they had or something. Um, but he doesn't give up the information. Uh, doctors do not survive well in the apocalypse. It seems like they're uh, they're destined to die, yeah. uh, unfortunately. And they do tend to be people that will be very useful um, when things are going to shit, right? I would have thought so. <laughs> I thought they would have had the necessary skills to be. I mean, it, it's like when there's an emergency on a plane at yeah. you know thirty odd thousand feet, mm-hmm. um, then it's a skill that can come in useful. And yeah. you'd think that would be the case in a in various apocalypses. You'd assume so. Yeah, yeah. But Kathleen is a really interesting character, though, isn't she? Oh, definitely. I really want to learn more about her because, again, mm-hmm. it's not um, it's not fully elaborated within um, the first game. This whole situation—you're just making your way Absolutely. through. Yeah, Kathleen's um, not in no, the game exactly. at all. There's no named characters here, but there um, are these yeah. groups mm-hmm. and patrolling the the roads with armored vehicles, like yeah. we see in the episode, was really good. And um, so, and it was also really nice to see. Um, Melanie Linsky, mm-hmm. uh, who plays Kathleen um, here. Yeah. Because um, certainly I would know her, you would know her from the uh, TV series The Yellow Jackets. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so really good to see her in this. And I just want to find out more about what's driving her mm-hmm. and how that plays out with respect to Joel and Ellie, Henry and Sam, yeah. as well as the potential for other situations to occur that are are kind of, you know, just flagged here in this episode as well, yeah. such as the crater um, in the, the basement of the building where they find Henry's abandoned sort of hideout, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of interesting. I mean, we don't get too much, but yeah. it does feel that this kind of crater, which begins to kind of swell and, and, and move, mm. um, that it is um, something to do with the infective, given that she's saying seal off the building yeah. um, and keep it quiet, you know, almost as not to spread panic. So I'm yeah. like, what is this new feature of um, the the fungal outbreak yeah and um, is it some kind of like massive spore geezer that's gonna shoot spores into the um into the atmosphere Maybe. is it just a collect <laughs> you know because the underground yeah. um filaments that we saw in episode two mm. you know is it mycelial some mycelial network was that? Yeah, yeah the mycelial network mm-hmm. Is it something to do with that? Yeah. So kind of intrigued. I think we do. I think we do. But we're not, we're not going to spoil it here because, you know, that that's up to the show to reveal yeah. uh, their uh, their 
uh, enemies and villains, let's say, as the uh, as the show goes on. But I'm really hopeful that this is uh, what I think it is. Yeah. So that that was that was a nice, uh-huh. exciting bit of um, sort of foreshadowing and intrigue. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. And speaking of which, it is really interesting. We didn't get any infected in this episode. We got them mentioned on the road by Joel and Ellie, but we didn't see any infected in the episode. So I really like the way they did that because it shows how dangerous humans are on their own in this world after this uh, after this outbreak has happened. Um, humans can be just as dangerous an enemy as these creatures yeah. uh, that are created from absolutely from the i mean mm. it, but it's even just the idea of it's almost like medieval fiefdoms is mm-hmm. that you know this larger sort of all-encompassing collective society and pol- uh, politics mm-hmm. has gone whilst fedra is still there and, and sometimes that's an, un- an unusual thing to see in an apocalyptic show is the remaining presence of the overarching government of the country that was there beforehand. Yeah, yeah. And Fedra is still there, but in places it's broken down mm. because of how Fedra acted yeah, in those. Exactly. The the people in opposition to them, such as the Fireflies or mm-hmm. this or Kathleen and her group. Yeah. And so you get that splitting up uh, into smaller fiefdoms, and then it becomes about not protecting the whole of the United States, but Kansas City, mm-hmm. and only Kansas City that matters. Yeah. That's what's important to them. And any, you know, 25 years ago, an outsider would be a tourist coming on holiday to Kansas City Absolutely. or to watch the Kansas City Chiefs. Now yeah. it's potentially someone that needs to be shot mm-hmm. or um, ambushed or... Yeah. And detained in order to find out whether there's any ill intention towards their own little society. Yeah. So it just like massively complicates it even further. Yeah. And so I really like that kind of societal structure element that this brings as much as about just reminding everyone about the danger of other people and their motives. Yes. You know, and it's because everything's operating on the protection of smaller areas yeah ultimately yeah, absolutely absolutely uh really interesting uh ideas coming in uh, to the show here anything else about kathleen or about kansas city that we want to talk about here john i think the only other thing um from my side is kathleen's right hand man um perry mm-hmm. who is played by jeffrey pierce yes. um who did the motion capture and voice of tommy in the game that's right so yes. that's a really nice thing uh, we know Marlene, played by Merle Dandridge, is mm-hmm. um, is the same person that voiced her um, in the Last of Us game, mm-hmm. and so it's really good to see another member of that team um, playing someone in this in this world. Absolutely, on absolutely. TV. You yeah. Know? yeah, and Troy Baker, who voices Joel in the game, is doing the uh, doing the official podcast as well, so you'll hear his voice. Yeah, uh, really his, good. His dulcet tones every week on the official podcast as well, so uh, that's that's really nice as well to have uh, this character in there. I presume we'll see more of Perry next week. He's a man of few words, which feels weird for a, a voice actor like uh, like the actor who played Tommy. I believe he even won uh, an award for his voice work on in in those games, so, um, so it'll be nice to see a bit more of him next week, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the other side of this time in Kansas City is just with Joel and Ellie as mm-hmm. well. And, again, it's kind of part of getting to know them and 
the development of their characters. But I, I really enjoyed there was a good age thing that went on here. Uh, and I'll explain what I mean by that in the sense that as they're going to try and find a safe place to sleep and just to tie them over that night before they can actually kind of scout the area to mm. see how to get out of Kansas City. Uh, and they're both going uh, up the up the stairs. Again, representation. I love I love another good knee joke about how many Absolutely. stairs that a 56-year-old can, can go up uh, before going out of breath mm-hmm. and um, a effectively... Uh, a 16 year old or 14 year old I should say uh, going up the stairs so I I like that little bit of banter you know they got 33 out of 45 um, levels up Mm -hmm. you know that's pretty good going but stop lying down and and panting Mm -hmm. but there's that moment just as they start on the the journey where Ellie's asking him about uh, how he recognized the ambush, and we find out because he had done similar yeah, tactics. Yeah. And he doesn't answer her when, you know, have you harmed innocent, have you killed innocent people? Yeah. And he doesn't answer mm-hmm. her. And I like the fact that later, as they've gotten to the room where they're staying for that night, Joel asks about the earlier conversation where Ellie has made it clear that she's shot someone before. Yeah. And he asks about that, and she just doesn't want to talk about um, her first time shooting someone. Mm -hmm. She almost reciprocates that sort of cold shoulder or silence. Mm. And I thought that was a really, really good point to make. Why should she answer him? Because she's a kid. And it comes back to the other thing of asking Joel well, does it get any easier Mm -hmm. as you get older? And he, you know, the reason why he wouldn't let her have a gun, that kids shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. I agree. They shouldn't do that if you're in a peaceful society. Absolutely. This is, Mm -hmm. you know, different rules apply or have evolved over the 20 years. Mm. So, you know, trying to just empathize with that, put yourself in that situation. Yeah. Um, the but, fact but is, pers- is that he's saying, I do want to protect you. Kids shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. But the game has changed and they need to survive. I mean, Fedra are teaching them how to use yeah. guns. I like the fact that ultimately his response to it is, no, it doesn't get easier. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be doing this as much as I don't want you to do this. Exactly. Um, I'm just right trying to put it to off. It your age. Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. right for you to um, do it at your age and trying to put it off for as long as possible yeah. where you may have to do that. And it's to the point where he also is connected with pre outbreak. Yeah. He remembers flying. Mm-hmm. He remembers like the little touch of telling her to put the seatbelt mm-hmm. on at the end of the last episode, episode yeah. three yeah. and Ellie being so inquisitive because she is an outbreak, a child of the outbreak. Mm-hmm. She hasn't experienced things the way they were. Exactly. Her yeah. her view is a very dangerous world where it's survival. Yeah. Where if you potentially don't shoot someone, you could be the person dying. Yeah. And um, so I just like that whole exchange because I thought it was fascinating. Just trying to show that you're not in the same world physically, but morally 
yeah or value in a value way but also from the different age perspective yeah absolutely all these different conversations yeah and just thought it was really well done and it actually i thought it was quite sophisticated what they got across mm-hmm. whether i'm not saying i disagree with joel i'm just saying i like the counterpoints that ellie brought i liked her inquisitiveness mm-hmm. where when she asks the question say well you know, does it get easier? Well, it doesn't, yeah. even if you're an adult. So yeah. why should an adult be doing it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was just really good, I thought. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I, it does speak to a sense of idealism for Joel. Yeah. He feels that young people should be protected. He feels kids should be protected, partially because that's what happened to his own daughter. She died because, in his mind, he didn't protect her. So he doesn't feel like jo- like Ellie, who is the same age as his daughter, should be even anywhere near being in situations where she has to kill to survive. I know the world's changed, and he knows the world's changed, but he doesn't feel it should. The idealism in his mind yep. is this should never happen to children. Children shouldn't be involved in situations where they have to save their own lives with guns because other people should be around helping them, like Fedra should be helping kids. The people that work with him, like Tess, should be helping kids and taking care of them. Um, agree, but it does yeah. contradict his point earlier on that she is cargo to him, but exactly. now he's getting closer to her, so he does feel like that. Um, it is, yeah, it, it is It is a great moment in the episode. Yeah, it really is like that. just how she sort of pulls at the inconsistencies mm-hmm. in what he's saying exactly. in this new reality. Yeah. Um, and... But, I mean, there is also the argument that, well, if more people did that, it wouldn't be as exactly, bad yeah. as it is. So, I mean, yeah. it is a real minefield about how you look at this, but it's just so good that they tackle this and have those pieces of dialogue that allow you just to consider, weigh up, think, and, and see that being a thing yeah. in this world. Absolutely. And the differences. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Uh, any other notes and points about the episode that you want to talk about at all, John? Um, just one, which is, of course, the fantastic last pun um, that we got. <laughs> um, as Just before they go to sleep, it is the mm-hmm. one last pun. Uh, I've got to, you've mm-hmm. got to um, restate it on the podcast here. Did you know that diarrhea is hereditary? Mm, no. It runs in your genes. Terrible. Quality, quality (laughs) punnery. It did make me laugh, I must admit. Uh, Even though I have definitely heard that pun before, it did make me laugh. I haven't. I like. <laughs> you liked. It was puntastic, dare yeah. I say it. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, a couple of quick notes from me. The pun book itself, no pun intended, uh, part two from uh, from Will Livingston is in the game. That is something that uh, that Ellie carries around in her backpack with her, um, pretty regularly quoting those, <laughs> those kinds of puns uh, throughout the game. So uh, so nice to see it uh, show, showing up on the show. Uh, one other thing from a, from a fan of Apocalypses, um, one thing I really like that they did in this episode particularly, and this might kind of put me into my own kind of wrap-up of why I like this episode so much. One of the things they did so well here was giving some kind of backstory to other people in the Apocalypse. One, it, It's something that happens within long-running shows. I think Walking Dead would be a really good example of this, or other apocalyptic shows that go into long periods of time everybody else that's alive around you after the apocalypse happened has had a very difficult life to go through they've all had their experiences their adventures their loves and losses 
But so often in other shows and movies, they're treated like cannon fodder for the main characters that they're not as important as the main characters. So getting to focus a little bit of time here in this episode on some other people in the apocalypse. We saw that majorly with Bill and Frank and their experience that they went through last episode. But we're even seeing it with some of the side characters here. Just even that moment with Brian where he's crying, doing everything he can to survive because he's done that for 20 years. He's lived for 20 years in the post-apocalyptic world. He's done whatever he can to stay alive during that period. And of course, he's going to beg for his life and use anything at his disposal, whether it is to plead with a little girl not to shoot him because his mom's just around the corner, whether they can trade, trade with each other. He's going to plead like that. But it adds so much more to the world that they're creating here in The Last of Us than it would in other shows and movies where 20 or 30 characters could die in an episode and you don't know anything about them, you know, or in a movie. Definitely. Um, So I really like that they've taken that step to add this stuff to the characters that we saw within The Last of Us, the game, because we focus so much time on Joel and Ellie and their interaction with the environment around them as opposed to who, what was going on with everybody else. Uh, it's something that they actually developed for the second game with uh, with The Last of Us Part Two. You do hear relationship conversations between people that are technically your enemies in that game. You hear them calling out to each other. You hear um, is your brother okay? You'll hear those kind of call-outs uh, to kind of develop that world a bit, but they're obviously doing a lot more here, which yeah. you can do with a TV show. Uh, so I think that's a really uh, a really good element that was added uh, to the series with this with this episode. I did really like episode four overall. How about yourself, John? Did you, uh, did you enjoy the fourth episode of The Last of Us? Yeah, I absolutely did. Um, I'd give this five praiseworthy mm. poupons out of five. Nice. Um, yeah, for me, <laughs> this was all about Ellie uh, and Joel mm-hmm. on the road in a tight situation. Um, effectively, the just natural fluctuations, evolution of two people who are forced together yeah. um, only in episode one in that sense so Mm -hmm. however long that is having to sort of fit in with each's personal space and and i really really enjoyed this i Mm -hmm. thought a really clever dialogue between them and i really enjoyed um in particular this um coyness from both of them about not answering the questions put to them which were about killing other people yeah. um, and innocent people. Um, so I, not that we know that with Ellie, but certainly with Joel and this other person, you know, Ellie is staying pretty uh, tight-lipped about yeah. that. So, you know, I, and I liked how that, in a sense, when, well, I have the right not to tell you just because you're an adult. And again, it's mm-hmm. to the point then with the direction from Joel and, um, not to carry a gun. He relents to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, she asks him the question, well, does it get easier yeah. as you get older? And he says no. And you can add on to that with potentially the familiarity of having done that mm-hmm. um, yeah. consistently for 20 years, depending mm-hmm. on how many times he's killed um, in that situation. Yeah. So, you know, it just draws really different questions, the picture it paints of Joel you know what's happening with with Ellie so i loved all this conversation i loved the banter as yeah. well with the ponds with the gay porn rag um <laughs> i loved See you later, dude. all of that 
Um, I really liked just seeing the landscape uh, as you drive through here on the way to Kansas City mm-hmm. and now seeing Kathleen and just these first few moments with Kathleen and her non-Federate people um, and what they've done, seemingly totally driven by the death of her brother and how so. he died yeah. um, and what was done to him. And you see the power in that. So I can't mm. wait to see more of that. And certainly with her uh, right-hand man, Perry, how Ellie and Joel get embroiled into the politics of this new fiefdom of Kansas City <laughs> uh, centered around Kathleen and Henry. Yeah. Uh, so it would be really, really good, as well as that um, swall pulsating crater mm. happening um, as well in the basement. Can't wait to see what's in that. What type of jack-in-the-box will that be, I wonder? <laughs> excellent, excellent. I think it's time to go on over to the pub quiz. Let's go to the World's End pub quiz, John. Do you want to give us the question for The Last of Us, episode four? Yes, fellow quizzers, fellow survivors, welcome back to the pub. I think um, we need a good amount of booze after this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly with all the puns, whether it's just to recover from the cheesiness of them, <laughs> or I guess uh, realizing that the world has truly gone down the swanee. Um, but yes, question four for episode four. Please hold to my hand. What two movies from 2003 are listed at the Globe Cinema in Kansas City? Excellent. Need some eagle eyes there in uh, in Kansas City to pick those out. But, uh, John, do you want to get the question one more time? Certainly. What two movies from 2003 are listed at the Globe Cinema in Kansas City? Excellent. That's question four. If you've missed any of the questions, pop on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh, all the questions that we put out are listed up there, or you can re-listen to all the podcasts, of course, and put them all together at the end of the series with all nine answers. Email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com, and you could be in with a chance of getting your hands on a copy of The Last of Us Part 1 on either PlayStation 5 or PC. If you don't have a PC or a PlayStation 5, we will uh, think of an alternative uh, for you, but that's our main prize for our world's end pub quiz this season anyway hopefully you're excited about that absolutely Mm -hmm. good luck fellow quizzes and survivors and also if you want to be in with an extra chance to enter that uh, that competition for uh, for that prize um all you need to do is rate us on Apple Podcasts. Send us a quick snippet of uh, of your rating and we'll put you into the draw with an extra entry. Yeah, good stuff. Absolutely. Thanks to everybody that's been sending their entries in so far. And thanks again to those of you that support us over on Patreon. This episode is brought to you by our Patreons, including Cheryl Jones. Uh, Cheryl, thank you so much for your kind thoughts about our podcast about uh, The Last of Us Episode 3 as well. And thanks so much for your support on Patreon. Yes, thank you so much, Cheryl, Mm -hmm. uh, for your support. Really good and really uh, nice to hear your thoughts uh, on our episode three podcast. Mm -hmm. Really good stuff. If, like Cheryl, you wish to support us for a monthly amount, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash TV podcast 
industries. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to support us for a one-off donation, you can head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash TVPI. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can support us by sharing and subscribing to the podcast as well, because sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing, sharing the love. love, which is absolutely needed in this apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm. Um, we also love your support through all the feedback that we get from our fellow survivors, which you can send through our email to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com uh-huh. or through our group over on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries. Absolutely. Yes. First up, an email in from Suzanne Nelson on episode three, who says, hello, gentlemen. I'm sure I'm not the first to say this in your feedback, but it can't be helped. This was definitely the best hour plus of TV I've seen in a long, long time by far. Watching it, I was already looking forward to hearing Derek and John's take on this episode since it involves middle-aged men in a (laughs) long-term committed relationship, something we don't see represented hardly at all. I'm hoping the two of you were pleased with it and how the show chose to deviate from the game. I can go on and on, which I won't, on how I love the decision to change Bill's character and to essentially add Frank rather than just reading his nasty note and seeing his dead body hanging there. Just a note in your podcast about the episode, Lincoln, Massachusetts is the name of the town Bill lives in and is about 20 miles by by car from Boston. It's a real place. Interesting. Yeah, I know in the game and in the show, it's kind of called Bill's Town. Uh, so it's referred to as that. Uh, so that's why I, I definitely didn't know uh, that it was Lincoln, Massachusetts. So uh, good call there. Thanks, Suzanne. Yeah, great stuff, Suzanne. Uh, thanks for that. Yes. And hopefully if you're listening to our episode four, you hear some of my thoughts mm-hmm. around episode three. Absolutely loved the episode yeah. uh, as well. Uh, and it was it was just great to see that that kind of episode in this kind of show yeah. uh, in a really meaningful way as well. So, yeah, yeah absolutely uh, agree with your thoughts. It was such a good, good piece of TV uh, yeah. and one of the best in a very long time as well. Without a doubt. As for how it deviated from the game, I must say the show itself is doing such a great jo- job of telling a great story in this world that I'm more happy when I see some things that are taken from the game then I'm noticing things that are deviating from the game. I really don't want to don't want it to stick to the template of the game. It can't because the game you're running around shooting people as the main character. Yeah. It's you know it's a, a third person shooter game uh, which you couldn't put on TV. It'd be really boring. Uh, watch the last twenty <laughs> minutes of Doom, uh, the movie, and you'll see how bad that can be. Um, but uh, that's not this show. The show is taking advantage of a really great story to tell a a story in the wider world and you know as i say i'm not seeing deviations rather than seeing homages and seeing references and seeing dialogue plucked from the game and put in this really great tv show so yeah uh, so i'm never concerned uh, if they change something to make it better which they absolutely did uh, with episode three yeah absolutely thank you uh suzanne uh, for your thoughts Mm -hmm. there moving on to Another one of our favourite dooms, it is Victor Von Doom Uh on episode four of The Last of Us. Mm -hmm. Victor says, I like the episode. Nice to see Ellie make Joel laugh. Mm -hmm. Kathleen is rather scary. What version of fungus is under the rubble? Well, indeed. Mm -hmm. Is it a massive 
mutated athlete's foot or what is it going to be <laughs> i can't believe you didn't go for the triple m there john with the massive mutated mushroom there or massive mutated mushroom indeed <laughs> yes maybe it's akin to one of the mushrooms in mario kart it could be it could be thanks victor uh donald dennis says this episode was still very good but it was not as impressive as the other three we've seen so far maybe it's because this was the first one that felt like it was setting up the next bit instead of being about itself but that isn't all bad it really does feel like they're setting up for something big to come up out of the basement seems like they went awfully far south from boston to get to their destination Interesting. Uh, I must admit, I don't really know the geography of America that would put you going from Boston to Kansas City and then going on to Wyoming. I know in the game itself, it's it's Pittsburgh and yeah. there's references to uh, the roads near Pittsburgh that they're going to. Um, but I, yeah, I, I must admit, I don't, I, I don't know how far south they've gone here. They've certainly gone further south. Not that I'm an expert on mm. uh, American geography, but it might just be to do with the interstates, yeah. you know, that they can or can't move along them. Yeah. I mean, even the sense that it takes longer to, to get from A to B because you're going to have to fill up yeah. uh, more often That's with true. siphoned off gas. But also, if you come to a dead end like they did at Kansas City, you've yeah. got to go around. And then all of a sudden, how many times do you have to go around, which means you try a different route. So, I mean, we're not seeing any of that. Yeah. Might not be the case, possibly just for filming locations, but it could be something to do with that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, you know? uh, do you know where it was filmed? Uh, part of this episode was filmed in Edmonton in in, uh, in Canada, where myself and John have been yes. uh, in the past. So, uh, so yeah, that, uh, apparently another one of the reasons why it's not Pittsburgh is because they couldn't make the two cities that they were using uh, in the background. They couldn't make it look as much like Pittsburgh as they could make it look like Kansas City. Uh, but I did like the little joke in the, in Ellie's uh, map reading of American directions when you're traveling really, really far distances. How do you get there? Well, you travel on... The Route 79, uh, really far, and then you travel on the other one forever. Our, our trip is 25 <laughs> uh, hours, and we've got two roads to travel, basically. So uh, a nice little... Uh, that's well, that's it. And even, even with the names as well, I thought that was mm. kind of interesting, because sometimes I struggle with how you pronounce the particular mm -hmm. um city or town names. Certainly not so much Pittsburgh or the big cities mm -hmm. like kansas city and so course, on yeah. but um i think it's, it's cheyenne mm -hmm. um that she 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 mentions um and then of course there was laramie so all i thought of was the simpsons with laramie cigarettes of course of course yeah exactly um, <laughs> the simpsons get everywhere they certainly do i think as well though um you know i agree with with you donald to some extent that there's certainly a big setup around the basement you mm -hmm. know the pulsating crater absolutely but i still felt as though this episode was about being itself mm -hmm. it was ultimately a road trip it was the itself was ellie and joel yeah um and time with them and maybe you know given it was 45 minutes Derek, you mentioned about well, it could be a two-parter. I mean, it's not billed as that. Yeah. So I really took this as, you know, road trip, the experiences, the setbacks, and what life throws at you and how that's building into 
Ellie and Joel's understanding of one another and the ca- the characterization of these two characters yeah. for for the audience, and I, I I felt that was about being itself because moving from Boston to Wyoming would mean a lot of time spent chatting Absolutely. in the vehicle and obstacles, whether they're people, the infected, or physical yeah. um, obstacles as well. Exactly. exactly. So um, I, I still think it was very much about itself, for sure. Yeah, like I mean, it's not a standalone episode. You're not going to uh, jump into it and just watch this one episode. I don't think you'd even do that with episode three because you'd have to cut off uh, all of the Joel and Ellie scenes at either end of, of episode three. Episode three did feel like a short film in the middle of uh, the Joel and Ellie story um, that's going on. But uh, but here, this felt much more, as you say, John, about Joel and Ellie getting to know each other. And now we have the introduction to characters that will be in the next episode, definitely. Yeah, so, and whatever's um, in the basement. Yeah, and looking forward to that next episode coming out on Friday this week early because of Super Bowl. Uh, thanks so much to everybody for your feedback for this episode. Hopefully we'll hear more from you next next week. Yeah, thanks so much, Donald. Thanks, uh, Victor. And thanks, Suzanne. Mm-hmm. If you want to send us any feedback in, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com uh, with any thoughts that you have. You can also pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we have lots and lots more stuff coming up on TV Podcast Industries. Tomorrow, we have our episode about Star Wars The Bad Batch. Um Episode 7 and Episode 8, and it's a two-part, are being released tomorrow on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so you'll get that in your feed at a as soon as those episodes have finished airing. Uh, some good ones there, actually. Really good uh, really good episodes. We're also going to be back, of course, with The Last of Us, Episode 5, Endure and Survive. And mm, uh, Yeah, we'll be recording... Survive what? I know, I know. We'll be recording a little bit earlier, of course, because of the Super Bowl, because uh, the episode's being released early. Uh, so you'll get that in your feed as soon as we can get, get it there for you. Uh, next week, another big one. We're starting another new series, Star Trek Picard Season 3, the third and final season, as the rest of the cast of The Next Generation join uh, Jean-Luc Picard on an adventure in space. Yeah, let's boldly cross our fingers where no cross fingers have gone before. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Embargo on those episodes. Not going to talk about our thoughts uh, just yet as to what what uh, there is in season three. But we are really, really looking forward to uh, the third and final season of Star Trek Picard. And we will be going back to the cinema. Not exactly sure exactly of the date. We will be able to fit that in. Uh, but Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, the first of Phase 5 of yes. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The first Marvel that we've done since last year's Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Um, so uh, that'll be fun uh, to, to see when we're going to fit that in. And uh, it'll be fun to see in yeah, the cinema. I'm really looking forward mm. to this Ant-Man movie uh, to see what... Um, what little hints or possible theories mm. uh, can get around Phase 5. I think I already have some of it from some of the Doctor Strange stuff, mm-hmm. even though four. that was in Phase 4, yeah. but uh, essentially setting up aspects for Phase 5. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, I cannot uh, wait. movie comes out in the cinema on the 17th, I think, of, uh, of February. If I've got my days right there, that's Friday week. Yeah, <laughs> 17th of February. So uh, looking forward to seeing that whenever we get the chance to get to the cinema and watch that. Excellent stuff. Yes, thank you so much, fellow survivors, for joining us. Mm. Remember, we will be back, as Derek has mentioned, with The Last of Us, Episode 5, Enjoy and Survive. But in the meantime, keep watching, keep listening, and keep...
Bye. Bye.